the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, 609 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We have made our way into the second hour. All the lines are open. one 888 if you want to call and chime in on our conversation. I'd love to hear from you. You can bring up a new topic if you want to. The lines are open, one 888 uh, I was thinking about as we are, uh, you know, addressing the different kind of spiritual and social and political uh, struggles and challenges we have in in America and and Europe, uh, uniquely speaking, and as important as they are, um, because really it's all about shaping the way we think. If we can be impacted in the way we think, we can be brought into captivity. I really, that really is the case. To whatever degree, our minds can be shaped and and uh, distorted and, 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 and forged into uh, a set of convictions based upon, you know, whatever the case may be. We can be driven down a, a path that that does not honor and glorify God. This is kind of what we're talking about in our New Year's theme at Grace on integrity. I'll talk a little bit about that while I have the space of an hour uh, to, to, to talk with you. But I was thinking about believers in other parts of the world that um, that may or may not be interested in, in some of these social justice issues, some of these political issues, some of these uh, very, very encroaching uh, uh, structural issues that we are, are having to face here in America because it's just kind of reeking out of all of our policies, reeking out of all of our expressions. And you hear it in the media every day. If it's Even if it's not using the terminology that I've talked about, uh, it becomes the framework by which uh, prejudice of thought, uh, emotional stirrings occur, uh, and, and therefore conversations that are either wisely handled or mishandled, uh, all because of ideas. The enemy knows that. And as God said in Revelation chapter 13, and a mouth was given to him and he spake great blasphemies against God and against those who dwell in heaven. That is the, the believer, the body of Christ. Uh, he speaks great blasphemies against the things of God. And, and, and it does have impact in people's lives. This is why you have so many people responding uh, in, in so many kind of autocratic, individualistic ways that are uh, way outside of what, what, what we know is, is truly the norm. But here's what I thought about. I thought about how our brothers and sisters in different countries that are, you know, fairly listed uh, as being the most dangerous states in the world, dangerous countries in the world. Um, I'm quoting from an article that I have pulled up a couple weeks ago on this subject matter that speaks to the different countries. And, and I'll just share them while I'm waiting for you to call. Um, and you can and you can pray for them because they, they need praying for. We don't we often don't think about them, but we should. We should think about them during the World Watch list 2019 reporting period. In the top 50 countries, I'm quoting, total of 
1,266 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. That's in 2019. In 50 countries, 1,266 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. 2,635 Christians were detained without trial. That's 2,600 Christians somewhere in the world were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and then imprisoned. And 4,136 Christians were killed for their faith-related causes. Now, on average, listen carefully, that's 11 believers killed every day for their faith somewhere in the world. And what's interesting about the juxtaposition of what I am sharing with you now over against our talk about what I consider is a more nemesis, spiritually devastating assault, terrorism on uh, on the body of Christ and on believers who hold to <clears throat> the Bible uh, is the fact that the stuff I'm talking about concerning social justice issues are public in terms of uh, the media uh, communicating through them and for them. Uh, you know, demonizing and, and uh, demagoguing the issues, dem- demonizing the people and demagoguing the issues. But what we're talking about here, 11 Christians killed every day for their faith. It never gets the news. It never reaches the media. It never ever is is set forth as something for us to consider. Countries are ranked by the severity of persecution of Christians, calculated by the analyzing the by analyzing the level of violent persecutions, plus the pressure experienced in five spheres of life, church, nationality or our national community, family and private. These are the five spheres in which pressure is experienced by those who are living in uh, violent persecutory countries. They are pressured in their church pressured in their nation, pressured in their community, pressured in their family, and pressured in private. Private. Based on the report, reports, research, the top 10 nations where Christians found it most dangerous and difficult to practice their faith. First and foremost, North Korea. North Korea. Now, persecution type, communist and post-communist oppression. Communist and post-communist oppression. That's really interesting because communism really is the, the more militant component of Marxism for people who understand a Marxist framework for politics. Wherever a country becomes so fascist that they're able to employ communist tactics moving from socialism where they have been have not successfully been able to convert people to the religion of socialism, which is what's going on with our social justice issue distortion, as I'm stating, uh, when it gets enough power, it moves from uh, simply propagating socialism to fascism and fascism is fundamentally communism. So in North Korea. Christians are suffering this way. The primary driver of persecution in North Korea is the state. That's right, the government. For three generations, everything in the country has focused on idolizing the Kim family. For 30 years, Christians are seen as hostile to be eradicated. Christians are seen as hostiles to be eradicated. There was hope that new diplomatic efforts in 2018, including uh, the 2018 Winter Olympics, would mean a lessening of pressure and violence against Christians. But so far, that has not been the case. Kim Jong-un has maintained tight control over the populace 
and dissent or worshiping anything else but Kim Jong-ol and the Kim family is not tolerated. So you see, as we think about North Korea and the relationship between the president and North Korea, and we would certainly want that to work out because if our president can leverage the influence of of American thought, what what virtues that are still left here, maybe that will change the, the climate for our brothers and sisters in North Korea. But they've got to be prayed for because they can't worship privately. I mean, publicly, privately, the picture of the Kim family is everywhere in that nation and the believer has to hold his peace and outwardly honor the Kim family. Here's a point of prayer. The situation for Christians is vulnerable and precarious. They face persecution from the state authorities and their non-Christian family, friends, and neighbors. Pray for their protection. The second most dangerous state or country for which Christians are in danger is Afghanistan and what would be called Islamic persecution. It's an estimated uh, number of Christians in the thousands. Uh, Afghanistan is an Islamic state by constitution, which means government officials, ethnic group leaders, and religious officials and citizens are hostile towards adherents of any other religion. That would make sense. This means any expression of any faith other than Islam is simply not permitted to exist. Additionally, to convert to a faith outside of Islam is tantamount to treason because it is seen as a betrayal of family, tribe, and country. So here's the point of prayer. Christian converts from Islam face strong pressure from family, friends, and neighbors and can even be attacked. Pray for these believers to have courage and protection. Now, when you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Even though we have a lot of battlefronts to wage and issues to deal with, because the matter is the heart and the mind, still the body, the body is a serious uh, element in our salvation that needs to be prayed for. Their bodies, their minds, their hearts. First, uh, North Korea, then secondly, Afghanistan. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'll read you more, but I'd like to talk with you as well. So I'll give you the number again, one 367 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back the time 623 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've been reminding you of what's going on around the world with, um, with believers We're all fighting battles. We are in a spiritual battle, but some of us are in real physical battles. And uh, this is true for our brothers and sisters in some of the most uh, heated countries in the world. Number one on the list of persecution for believers is North Korea. Number two is Afghanistan. And number three on that list is Somalia. Um, It, too, is an Islamic state. Estimated number of Christians, a few hundred, not a whole lot, but a few. And how Christians are suffering, um, they estimate suggest that 99% of Somalis are Muslim and any minority religions are heavily persecuted. The Christian community is small and under constant threat of attack. Sharia law and Islam are enshrined in the country's constitution. And the persecution of Christians almost always involves violence. Additionally, in many rural areas, Islamic militant groups like Al-Shabaab are de facto rulers. Point of prayer, Somali believers often must hide their faith to stay safe. 
pray for the safety and discipleship opportunities for these isolated believers. We certainly have to pray for you guys. We really do. How Christians are suffering after the outsider, after the ouster of former dictator uh, Muammar Gaddafi, Libya plunged into chaos and anarchy, which has enabled various Islamic militant groups to control parts of the country. Converts to Christianity face abuse and violence for their decision to follow Christ. Libya is also home to many migrant workers who have been attacked sexually assaulted and detained, which can be even worse if it is discovered they are believers. So point of prayers for protection of migrant workers, especially for those who are Christians and face double persecution. Now that's four groups. I'm going to read you six more. The other one is Pakistan, and Pakistan is also an Islamic state. There's a trend here, right? Estimated number of Christians in Pakistan. 3,981,000 in Pakistan. That's India. 3,981,000 in Pakistan. How Christians are suffering under Pakistan's notorious blasphemy laws. Christians continue to live in daily fear. They will be accused of blasphemy, which can carry a penalty of death. Additionally, radical Islamists seem to be gaining more political power, and the new ruling government must maintain good diplomatic relations with some radical groups. Christians are largely regarded as second-class citizens, and conversion to Christianity from Islam carries a great deal of risk. So prayer point, pray for the Pakistani converts from Muslim backgrounds who suffer the brunt of persecution in Pakistan. Radical Islamist groups see them as apostates and their family, friends, and neighbors see their conversion as shameful to the community. See, and this is exactly what our master said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. Um, He says, if you follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to deny yourself to be a real valid follower of Christ. You're going to have to confess him as Lord and then endure the suffering which comes with hostile uh, militant and uh, intolerant uh, uh, people groups who oppose the gospel. So this is really going on in the world. Uh, number six is Sudan, Africa. Once again, Islamic oppression that fundamentally drives the persecution of those in uh, in Sudan. Estimated number of Christians there, one. million, almost 2 million people live in Sudan, Africa. How Christians are suffering? Sudan has been ruled by the authoritarian government of President al-Bashar since 1989. The country has been ruled as an Islamic state with limited rights for religious minorities and heavy restrictions on freedom of speech and press. Christians face discrimination and pressure. Multiple church buildings were demolished in 2017 and 18, leaving some Christians without a place of worship. Christian converts from Islam are especially targeted for persecution. Point of prayer, pray for converts to Christianity that they would be able to stand strong in the face of accusations of betrayal. Number seven, Eritrea. Now I'm trying to remember Eritrea is a Middle Eastern state as well. It's a dictatorial uh, paranoia uh, kind of context where there is an estimated 2.4 million people in Eritrea. 
How Christians Are Suffering. Since 1993, President Afwerki has overseen a brutal authoritarian regime that rests on massive human rights violations. In 2018, there were raids on churches. Hundreds of Christians were imprisoned in humane conditions. Additionally, there are estimates that other Christians are currently in Eritrea's vast prison network, but no one knows how many there are or if they are still alive. Point of prayer. Thousands of believers have been imprisoned in Eritrea over the last decade. Pray for endurance for brothers and sisters detained in horrific conditions and ask God to give them perseverance in their faith. Absolutely. By the way, when we talk about faith being a gift of God given to the believer, we're not making the assertion that that faith does not have to be cultivated, nurtured, strengthened, and sustained by the Spirit of God. Otherwise, prayer would be irrelevant in the context of faith. But your faith and mine definitely has to be sustained by someone praying for us, us praying for ourselves. We praying for one another and pursuing God by his word in order to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Our faith can shrivel. Our faith can weaken. Our faith can diminish and our faith can even die. If our faith is not sustained by the living God himself. Yemen is the other one in the Middle East. It's Islamic oppression. Uh, there's estimated only but a few thousand because Yemen has been a hotbed for um, for uh, removing uh, any form of uh, religion outside of Islam there for decades now. How Christians are suffering. An ongoing civil war in Yemen has created one of the worst humanitarian crises in recent memories. That's a big, sad story that's not really talked about in our media. Uh, and our government is complicit in it as well. In recent memory, making an already difficult nation for Christians even harder, the chaos of war has enabled radical groups to take control over some regions of Yemen. And they have increased persecution against believers. Even private worship is risky in some parts of the country. Converts to Christianity from Islam face additional persecution from family and society. It's the way it goes in the Middle East. And that's why your brothers and sisters have to be prayed for. The instability in Yemen has created a refugee food and health care crisis. So ask God to help provide food, clean water and safety for the people of Yemen. Now, I've watched a, a, a number of the uh, document documentaries on Yemen, and I can tell you it is sad. It's a really sad case about things that are going on in the world. When I come back, I'll talk a bit about Iran and India and what I'm going to do. Iran and India still are places of persecution, but nine and 10, they're not as heavy, even though there are lots of Christians there, uh, 800,000 in Iran and um, 65 million in India. India's big billions of people. So, um, but they need prayer for, they need prayer as we fight rhetorical and philosophical and, and, and uh, strategically political as well as social and cultural battles here for the gospel of the glory of God here in America, uh, they're fighting for their lives and we want to fight with them in prayer and in different kinds of support as we can uh, while we still uh, live, move, have our, and have our being and are uh, in some of the best uh, physical states anybody can live in, you and I here in America. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got a lot to be thankful for. And we have a lot to be responsible for, for to whom much is given, much is. That's exactly right. So I'm going to take take a break. You are welcome to call one triple eight. 
367 I'm going to shift to Integrity when I come back, help you guys get on the board, bandwagon with us at Grace for the year 2019, talking about biblical integrity. Going to pay some bills. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. The time is 6.35 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We do have room for some calls. one 367 1-888-367-5329. Do you struggle? Um, are you aware of the importance of the whole idea of integrity? I know you've heard the word before, um, especially if you've been around my circles here recently. Every new year, we try to impose um, a unified thought at Grace for us to all kind of be on the same page about uh, an aspect of our calling and growth as believers that will help us kind of strive together. And uh, it's been working for years. Last year, we were on the principle of honor, First Peter chapter 2.17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. It's kind of what Peter, by inspiration of the Spirit, was telling the believer to do, to do, is to be uh, an individual who knows how to to honor uh, all sorts of men in all sorts of conditions, not male, just men in general, uh, honoring people, honoring institutions, honoring persons, honoring stations, honoring your mother and father, and honoring your husband and your wife, and honoring your parents, and honoring your boss, and honoring your, your job, and honoring people who have excelled and who have developed. And, and we talked about how honor is that uh, virtue by which you acknowledge that someone is important in your life and you acknowledge them by lifting them up, not in a way of flattery, but in a way of expressing the value that is really accurate with regards to who they are and who they have been in your life. Like we are called to honor God and to honor the Lord Jesus. And, And when you honor someone, you bestow upon them weight substance. You you talk about how they have been a benefit to you. You give them the glory and the honor that is due them. That's what the Bible says. Give honor to whom honor is due. And we had a great time last year working through scripture, explaining how God honors his people when they honor him. As, as uh, God said in Samuel, the person that honors me, them will I also honor. That's a reciprocating relationship between the believer and God. Well, this year, the Lord laid it very clearly on my heart to um, work through Proverbs 11.3, part A, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. So what I've been talking about this year to my men, particularly, and we're working through our second phase on Saturdays around integrity, is that biblically, the concept of integrity has everything to do with wholeness, completeness, Maturity and perfection, wholeness, completeness, maturity and perfection. When we walk in integrity, we're walking in wholeness, maturity, completeness and perfection. And the idea of perfection, both in the old and the new, is more organic than it is abstract. Like you and I might think of perfection as something being without flaw or something being impeccable or something being sinless. The Bible very seldom addresses perfection in the light of that kind of abstract um, hyperbole. It generally speaks of perfection, which is a, a, a cognate to integrity, 
as that which has come to full maturity. That would be the New Testament Greek term teleos. Uh, full maturity, full development, full maturation. As James puts it, um, let patience have her perfect work or let patience or endurance, the capacity to endure, endure or bear up under the trial long enough for it to mature you, bring you to full fruition. The idea is coming to full age. And that term full age in the New Testament really speaks to the ultimate manifestation of grace in the life of the believer where he or she is mature enough now to be able to do God's will at the level of being a sage. Again, it's just the level of coming into full bloom as a flower, reaching your full maturation. And that's what God has ordained for us. So when we talk about integrity on a more philosophical and psychological level, biblically, integrity is for you and I to be able to walk in a way of uh, conscious freedom conscientious freedom because we are walking in relationship to God in harmony of our mind, heart, and soul. So when a man or a woman is walking in integrity, they are walking in a character that is committed to principles by which who they say they are come out in what they do. So the integrity of the upright, Proverbs 11.3, speaks to the believers having an integrity mechanism by which they actually are guided. Notice, again, the way the phrase is rendered. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Many years ago when I was working through that as a young man, I struggled with what does that mean? How do I, how do we walk in integrity and that integrity guide us? And, and, and initially you get the idea of basically setting up a set of categories of priorities and principles in your mind and in your heart by which you say, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. And and I'm not going to do this, that, and the other thing. A man of integrity or a woman of integrity has boundaries. They have a framework, a moral framework, and an ethical set of boundaries by which they operate so that they don't cross those boundaries in their heart and cross those boundaries in their life. Essentially, the idea of being a person of integrity is, is really, and here's the way I'm going to be developing it for the next several weeks. You'll hear it. The idea of a person of integrity is a person of self-honor. What that means is you actually have the ability and willingness and, uh, and discipline, if you will, to, to examine yourself, to understand where you are, understand your weaknesses, understand your bends, understand your propensities, your errors, understand your strengths. Weigh them over against God's word and be honest about where you need to shore up, to strengthen, to mature, to develop, uh, and to just simply walk in. Because there are some things we have come to be able to walk in. And when a man or a woman is walking in the integrity that guides them, and these are called upright people, it means they are walking in a sense of clarity of conscience. They're not living in a conflicted, in a torn, in a burden, in a self-condemned state. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's the peace of conscience that comes with being honest with God, sincere with God, and recognizing that you actually need God. One of the things I made very clear was that in the context of Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright, the upright is every true believer in Christ. We've been made righteous in Christ, but the integrity of the upright 
is not some kind of internal set of principles, but an internal presence of God called the Holy Spirit. He is the integrity of every believer because he is the resident Lord, the resident spirit of Christ. He is the resident teacher, the resident comforter, the resident paraclete, instructing you and in guiding you, informing you, illuminating you, convicting you, strengthening you, recovering you, communing with you, fellowshipping with you, richly bringing you into intimacy with God through himself by Jesus so that you walk in the joy of fellowship with God. And that's called walking in the light. First John chapter one, verse six and seven. We have fellowship with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Meaning as we talk about what it means to be people of integrity, as you will hear, this does not mean that you are people without sin are persons without struggles are persons without weaknesses or persons without addictions or persons without challenges. You can have all those and still be a person of integrity because integrity is simply being honest with who you are, where you are, and then employing the means of grace by which you can begin to extricate or overcome by the presence and power of God and the instructions of the word of God and the resources of grace that God gives you to overcome the gins and traps and snares that have impeded your ability to enjoy God and even enjoy yourself as you enjoy God. See, so integrity is all about developing self-honor. As some of my brothers and sisters listening know, we have lived lives of self-affliction, self-torment, uh, self-deprecation, uh, self-struggle, self-destruction, and uh, addictions and and things like that, traps that have hindered us and impeded our ability to grow and flourish and develop and become all that God wants us to be. And certainly all that God wants us to be requires the intimacy of communion and fellowship with him through the Lord Jesus. So that's what we mean by 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 intimacy. And I'm going to be developing an acronym over the next several months on our um, on our radio ministry. You'll hear it. I'll come back from the break and uh, break and I'll touch on it again. And if you want to chat about it, you certainly may. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Going to pay some bills and I'll exhort us out of here on this Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back to time 648 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. As we are talking about integrity coming from Proverbs 11, 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. Every believer knows that Christ promised that he would send the Holy Spirit and he would do what? Guide us into all truth. He would take the things of Christ and make them known to us and that's where I spend the the bulk of my ministerial expression and development uh, in the area of biblical proclamation. Uh, that particular truth, expounding the glory of God in the person of Christ and teaching and preaching uh, to this generation, demonstrating the sufficiency of Scripture to reveal to us who God is in Christ for God's glory and for our good. 
Well, the third person in your life is God himself. There's no doubt about it. The omnipotent third person uh, who also participated in creation, participated in the new creation of your life, and is participating in the sanctification of your life right now. You and I are being sanctified by the Holy Ghost if we're born again. That means that he is the pedagogue. He's the school teacher. He's the paraclete. He's the one that leads you, guides you, holds your hand, and addresses the developmental process of your sanctification, being conformed to the image of Christ. And that means that you and I are called to walk in integrity. Now, what does that mean? It means that we should obey him. That's what that means, that we should be obeying the Spirit of God. And so you remember what uh, passages of Scripture say, like, walk in the Spirit and you won't, what, fulfill the lust of the flesh? If you walk in the spirit, you're going to have life and peace. You walk in the flesh, you're going to have death and division and conflict and toil. And that's where a lot of people are. So right now, I am working with our men on Saturdays. And if you are men and don't have a good uh, a good, or even a uh, an actual men's study on Saturday night, and you just want to get your head right for Sunday, that's the reason we do it Saturday nights. You can come on out to Grace on Saturday nights at 7 o'clock, 7.30, about the time we get started, uh, a presentation of the words and fellowship before, and to really get our heads around wanting to be better men of God today. I, I, in, in a lot of ways, this concept of integrity is going to be a, a critical framework for my demonstrating how Nehemiah is a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church, uh, gates, walls, and, and even the process of uh, exterminating false doctrines and false teachers from his community, as Jesus did when he went into the temple in the beginning of his ministry to clean it out. And then he went into the temple again at the end of his ministry to clean it out. That's all part of the work of restoring the body of Christ when it's been infiltrated and overcome by wickedness. That is an act of integrity. And God has to clean up our house, too. We are the temple of the living God. He has to clean up our house. I'm sure you would agree with that. And there are nine areas in which the word integrity will operate for us to bless us. The first is being intentional. I think we talked about this last week. Believers must be intentional. You do not grow by accident. You don't overcome your weaknesses by osmosis. You don't advance in your walk by God by merely wanting to. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about growth, and that's what we're working on in our men's meeting. We're dealing with the principle of sowing and reaping and how that the sower is intentional about sowing good seed in targeted areas so that the produce can be an outcome that uh, is favorable and, uh, and productive and increasing as the nature of sowing is. We have to sow to the Spirit. This is what Galatians 6 says, and if we do, we'll reap life. And so we want to be intentional about sowing to the spirit. We don't want to waste time. We don't want to waste our talents. We don't want to waste our treasures. We don't want to look up one day and all of our life is consumed in material things and carnality. And we have never, ever made a substantial impact in the kingdom of God, in our own heart, in the life of our families, the life of those who are about us. We have to be intentional. One of the most tragic things that will occur in the life of a man is he'll look up and he'll be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. 
And if truth be told, he has made no significant contribution to the cause of Christ or the glory of God or the salvation of sinners or the sanctification, sanctification of the saints or the people of God because he has not been intentional. This is what I want you to be uh, with regards to our, our, our gathering together in a couple of weeks uh, in, 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 in Valley Bible Church in, in Hercules. Intentional. Mark your calendars. Come on out and be with me as we unpack the word of God. Uh, Valley Bible Church, be intentional about being there on Friday. Be intentional about being there on Saturday. Make that a day where you are looking forward to the spirit of God doing some work in our hearts around building up walls. The other letters, I is intentional, N is necessity. T is toughness. E is engagement. Let me deal with them briefly. Necessity, the non-negotiable practices that lead to growth. It's called a value system. The non-negotiable practices that lead to growth. It's a value system. What does that mean? That means that things can't easily come into your life and take you from a pattern that God has taught you is essential to your growth. That's Psalm 1, verses 1 through 4. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruits in its season, its leaf also shall not wither. And don't you want to be known for this, that whatsoever you do shall prosper? Now, brethren, that is only one person, really, and that's the Lord Jesus. But you and I are in him as the branch is in the vine. So you and I are in Christ, and we can experience that dynamic if we look to him and walk in communion with him. That's called necessity. But you got to make some choices. Here's another one. Toughness. The decision that results in progress through cost. You know what's so hard about decisions as a believer? You got to let certain things go. There are going to be things in your life and mine, and when we weigh them out over against what we know is good, some things are just going to have to go. And a lot of times we don't want to let one thing go for another. This is the difficult cost, the tough cost, the tough decision that's necessary for you and I to actually advance in our walk. You're going to have to pay the price. Here's another word, engagement. So we've got I-N-T-E, engagement. You can't sit on the sideline and expect growth. You can't go to sleep and wake up if you haven't sown and expect growth. Engagement is the effort and involvement that clarifies my mission. I'd love this. Um, One of the reasons why men are ambiguous and men are not clear and men are timid about matters of the kingdom is because God does not advance us in a deep confirmation, a profound confirmation of his will for our lives until we put one foot in front of the other. It always works like that. Until we step out in the fundamentals, God will not take us into the deep waters of his purpose and his grace for us until we can step out uh, on the fundamental principles that he's called us to. That's what you and I are called to do. And that basically means that what you know to do, you do. And as you are learning to do what you know to do, God begins to add to whom much is given. Uh, To him that hath, more shall be given. And to him that hath not, even that which he has shall be taken away. So we always are wanting to be concerned about the takeaway principle. Because either God is adding to us or taking away based upon our interaction with him. It's called engagement, the effort and involvement that clarifies my mission. Like if you come on out on Saturday night or you come on out in our, 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 our walk to win a month from now, I guarantee you God will speak to you. I'll do one more. 
This is the idea of grace. So we're at the integ. We'll do integrity next week. Grace. Now, grace is a supply as well as an understanding, a disposition. You and I need grace both as a disposition of standing before God, acceptance before God, equipped before God. But we need the supply of grace, too, every day to keep us as we go on our way. Now, the supply of grace is what God gives us when we recognize that we don't have it within ourselves to do what God wants us to do. Humility is a wonderful thing before God. We have to say, Lord, I know what you want me to do, but I don't have the ability to do it. I need grace. Work in me the will and to do of your good pleasure. Pour into me the supply of grace by your spirit and the support of your saints so I can be able to move out in obedience before you. And I'll look up and I'll find myself doing what I want to do for real instead of not doing what I want to do because for real I don't want to do it. There are a lot of you in this new year that want to move out in obedience in ways that you didn't do last year or the year before or the year before that. Well, that's going to be a consequence of you calling on the Lord and asking him to supply you. Open your mouth wide, God says, and I will fill it, saith the Lord. He's the one that can give us everything necessary for life and godliness. He's the one that has the water of life, the bread of life. He's the one that can empower you and strengthen you and build you up and give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. He's the one that's able to make all grace abound. He's the one that's able to make you stand before his presence on the last day with exceeding God. Joy, God can do that for you, and God can do that for me. He's capable of doing it, and I want to encourage you to to think that through uh, between now and next week. We're talking about integrity, and uh, as we wind down the program, I'm so glad to be able to do that with you, talk to you about it. Another very important word, is repetition. And in my hopeful uh, calling here, I will repeat these things next week, the Lord willing, because reproof of instructions are the way of life. So uh, I've been, I'm glad that I've been with you today. I hope you have a rested evening. And some of you I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow and others of you at the end of the week. Until next time, keep your eyes on our glorious Savior who is worthy to be praised. God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.